Good morning. Welcome to Christ Church Cathedral. I guess the appropriate greeting would be happy March break. Um, and it's affected some people, but obviously not those of you who are here. So uh, welcome to the cathedral. If you're joining us by way of uh, the YouTube live stream, we welcome you. Uh, John Lowndes is on video this morning, and if you'd like to uh, um, wave at him or uh, enter a, a comment in the chat, he'd be uh, happy to hear from you. Um, just a reminder that we're also active on Facebook and uh, our audio podcasts, so uh, you can find us in all of those places and on our homepage on our website on the top left-hand corner, you'll find links to, uh, to all of those uh, places where we are. Um, also, just a reminder that our YouTube channel uh, continues to be on a fairly regular basis curated, so there is material there, and uh, if you haven't stopped by lately, you might do that. There's, uh, there are all sorts of things to, uh, to watch there. If you're... Um, uh, family and you have young children with you, just a reminder that um, you're more than welcome here. And if it's necessary for you to roam about um, or kind of find your your way uh, during worship, you're, uh, you're certainly welcome to do that. Um, we had um, notice this week of the death of Margaret Fulcher. Now, Margaret had moved away from Fredericton probably 25 years ago, but was uh, a member here at the cathedral, and some of you may recognize the name. Um, her funeral is going to be here on Friday at 2 o'clock, and so uh, we might keep um, um, her and her family in our prayers. Also, we uh, heard this past week that Anne-Marie Gray has died, and Anne-Marie we might not recognize in person, but she was online with us almost every Sunday for quite a while, since back in the pandemic, that's for sure, and uh, Anne-Marie has died, so we also remember her in our prayers. Um, you might note in the um, bulletin that we've updated the um, offering budget summary that you'll find there uh, week to week. And just a reminder that um, uh, the things that that does point to and that which it doesn't. So the gray bars on that little graph represent the offering that we need in order to meet the budgeted commitments that we've made and that we passed at the annual meeting last Sunday. So the gray bar indicates what it is we need each month. The green bar actually is the offering that we've received. So it's going to be important for us through the year that those two are uh, somewhat the same. <laughs> and uh, you'll notice that we're a bit behind in January to start out this year. So, so that's kind of where we are in terms of our budget. And uh, you'll note that um, other income isn't part of that reporting. So there is other income that's received through the year, but the budget is only the budgeted offering that we need, and the green lines are only the offering that we've received. So the budget is larger than what's represented there, but what you find there is offering budget and offering received. So expenses aren't included in that uh, graph either. So just a, a few comments to uh, to make that as clear as possible. You might note that at the back there are still copies of the annual report and you're welcome to, uh, to pick one of those up at your convenience. And uh, also a word of thanks to Catherine McDonald. Catherine, thank you very much for not standing there, but standing over there. Um, it, uh, she stands well in either place. Uh, but Thomas, unfortunately, is uh, nursing a bit of a problem with his toe. Um, so not able to be with us. So Catherine is, uh, is filling in, so thank you. And uh, also, for those who uh, might be looking for a perhaps more traditional form of worship today, Coral Evensong is at 4 o'clock this afternoon. 
So you might keep that in mind. And uh, Kurt had mentioned that he does still have a copy of Death on a Friday Afternoon. That's the book study that's uh, going on, and he still has a copy. So he's, uh, it's not necessary that you join the study, but if you're interested in the book, um, there is a copy flying around. So good. Thank you, Kurt. Is there anything else that needs announcing? Anything else? No? We're worshiping today according to the come worship style. And um, we'll begin with um, what's on the blue colored leaflet with the invitation to worship, which will immediately be followed by the confession. So as we stand, uh, let us begin. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. They are more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. In keeping them is great reward. Let us confess our sins to Almighty God. With hearts of sorrow, we come before you, O God, to confess what you already know. We have failed to keep your laws. Again and again, we have followed our own selfish will, rather than your holy and life-giving will for our lives. We have twisted your decrees and institutions to suit our preconceptions and interests rather than your own. Forgive us, O God, and cleanse us from hidden faults, that the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. God shows steadfast love and blesses to the thousandth generation those who walk in God's ways. In love, God sent Jesus to bless and redeem God's people. God forgives us our sins and restores us to new life. Let us rejoice in God's mercy. O oh, come, let us worship. I believe in God the Hey. 
Father of mercy, alone we have no power in ourselves to help ourselves. When we are discouraged by our weakness, strengthen us to follow Christ, our pattern and our hope, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the first letter of Paul to the Corinthians. The message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, God decided through the foolishness of our proclamation to save those who believe. For Jews demanded signs, and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to those who are the called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. This is the word of the Lord.
The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple. Both the sheep and the cattle, he also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years. And will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Jews demand signs and Greeks desire wisdom, but we proclaim Christ crucified. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the interesting aspects of reading about Jesus clearing the temple of merchants selling animals for sacrifice is when this occurs in the Gospel according to John. Um, John would have this happen at Passover, but perhaps not necessarily the Passover just before Jesus' death. You might be more familiar with Matthew, Mark, or Luke's telling about this event, nearer to the time of Jesus' arrest, trial, and crucifixion. What difference does it make to hear about the cleansing of the temple early in Jesus' ministry instead of later? Well, one difference is that this becomes an expressed foundational understanding as John's gospel builds the portrait of the one who came to bring atonement, at-one-ment, with God. Atonement to the world and the people in it. Salvation is important because it is God's own intention to be at one with his creation and with the creator. Sorry, with the created. God wants to be at home. At home with us and he would have us be at home with him. God's will is to commune with us and us with him. 
So let's think a little bit about the problem that's raised in this sequence of events. Jesus is zealous, or we might even say incensed and angry about what he sees going on in the portico of the Jerusalem temple. So John tells us he made a whip of cords, drove them all out, poured out their coins and overturned the tables. This scene in John should once and for all cure us of any erroneous images we might have of a gentle Jesus, meek and mild. You know, the fellow in a pure white tunic sitting on a rock in the midst of a flower garden, monarch butterflies <laughs> fluttering about, chipmunks scurrying around his feet, and children sitting on his knee. Now, rather, in this particular image, Jesus is royally annoyed. Let's consider the problem as Jesus may have seen it. He and the disciples go to Jerusalem, and as they enter the temple, it looks and sounds more like the city market than it does a house of prayer. It's busy. It's crowded even. It's noisy. And in the portico, the outer court, animals are being sold and bought. Commentator Dale Bruner suggests this was necessary activity. The issue is where it's happening. It's crowding out the only space available to the Gentiles for prayer. He says animal sales are a legitimate happening in illegitimate space. So could it be that it wasn't so much what was happening but where? The church has preached that God frowns upon sacrifice. I'm sure I've heard sermons about that before. Now, the sacrifice of animals isn't a particularly effective practice. But I don't actually hear Jesus forbidding it. Or is it that buying and selling had taken the place of prayer? Because according to John, that's exactly what Jesus said. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. Get these things out of here. We read a little earlier this season that after a miraculous sign and facing potential popularity and fame, Jesus said, let us go so I can preach over there also. From what we know, Jesus is crystal clear about his calling. He knew what his father had sent him to do, and he was all about doing it. He was laser-focused on his goal. His mission in the world was atonement. At one meant. The reason God came as Emmanuel, God with us, Messiah, Christ, was to tear down the barriers that had been erected between the Creator and 
the created. Many, if not most, of Jesus' encounters found in the Gospel accounts include shock over his breaking down walls of every kind. Walls that divide. And so he healed the undeserving. He shared meals with outcasts and sinners. Often and regularly affirmed women bound by the cultural norms of the day. Jesus touched the untouchable and in the process brought inclusion. His often heated exchanges with scribes, Pharisees, and temple elders are considered some of the high points of his teaching. Jesus was humble, but not timid. Spoke with authority without making a claim to special privilege. He had power over the forces of nature and demons, yet never used it for his own purposes. Jesus, we have come to understand and believe, was the very spirit of the maker of the universe in the form of a human being. So that day in the temple, his actions hardly went unchallenged. Who does he think he is to kick us out of here? To be the boss over us? What sign can you show us for doing this? After all, it's not unreasonable to expect that anyone claiming to be a prophet might show some proof, some evidence of authenticity. The Apostle Paul would later say, Jews demand signs, and Greeks desire wisdom. But we proclaim Christ crucified. He says to them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Ha! The Net Bible has a translation note on this verse. This command is meant, it says, to be understood ironically like Go ahead and destroy the temple and just see what happens. Looking back, it's ironic because they think it me that he means the physical building, but Jesus is cryptically saying that he is the temple. That's his sign. That's his authority. He is and will be the place for communing with the Father. The way to be at home with God for all God's people. Jesus clears out the space so that all people can commune, be at home, be with the Father again. And, you know, it seems anything he encountered that might prevent that could be found on his to-do list. Anything else? An idol. It's been argued that Jesus didn't intend to start a new church. But he did. Those who follow and obey him are his church, the body of Christ, the temple 
of the Holy Spirit. We are the church. Jesus was already leading the deconstruction movement 2,000 years ago. Perhaps it shouldn't be a surprise to us that it continues. He's more than happy to have people find him amidst the rubble of shattered idols, systems, and structures. And we continue to pray. Pray that we find our true faith home in him. We're going to continue with the words of an affirmation of faith. You'll find that on the blue insert, second page. And as we stand, let us say together, we believe and know that Jesus is the Holy One of God who has come into the world. We believe that he is in the Father and the Father is in him. We believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing we have life in his name. Amen. We have come together to worship and adore you, sovereign God, trusting in love and mercy in Jesus who intercedes for us. We humbly offer our prayers and petitions to you, Father, saying, hear our prayer. You may sit, kneel, or stand as you so choose. Pray for all who minister in your name, including Jeffrey, our dean, David, our bishop and metropolitan, Linda, our primate, and our honorary assisting clergy, Rod and John. In the Anglican cycle of prayer, the Church of the Province of Uganda, Archbishop Stephen Kazimba, Primate and Bishop of Mitiana, in the Provincial Cycle, Council of the North, Territory of the People, Central Interior, British Columbia, Bishop-elect Clara Plamondon, the clergy and people, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up in prayer those who govern around the world, faced with challenges of war, drought and famine, climate change, poverty, inequality, huge numbers of refugees seeking safety. Counsel all who seek wisdom and direction in these troubled times. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We thank you for the season of Lent, when we are again challenged to give of ourselves to others in need, to become closer to you through prayer and reading scripture, and following Jesus' path that leads to Good Friday. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Remind us to look beyond our doors, to see our brothers and sisters around us who suffer from poverty or homelessness or addiction or discrimination, to see you in their faces and show them the love you've given us. Lord, in your mercy, Comfort all those who suffer in body, mind, or spirit, especially Charles and Jean, Pat, Sue, Skyler, Aaron, Sally, Carolyn, Jacob, Stephanie, Jessica, Dolph, David and Maureen, Heather, David, Elliot, Cooper, and Savannah, and anyone else you care to name aloud at this time or in silence. Lift them up on eagle's wings 
as well as those who provide them care and support. Lord, in your mercy. Come, Holy Spirit, revive us, enrich us, transform us to fervently seek your kingdom and righteousness, and in doing so, live our lives to your glory so that the message of salvation will spread around the world. Amen. And will you stand, please? The peace of the Lord be always with you. Gracious God, we know your power to triumph over weakness. May we who ask forgiveness be ready to forgive one another in the name of Jesus the Lord. Amen. During the great Thanksgiving, the Eucharistic prayer, you're welcome to remain standing, or if you would prefer, uh, be seated or kneel. In this prayer, we'll give our thanks to God for his goodness to us, for his creation, and especially for his Son, Jesus Christ, and the atonement 
that we receive. We uh, also give thanks for the continuing presence of His Holy Spirit in our midst. It is truly right and our greatest joy to give you thanks, Creator God, for you made the world and all that is in it. You called us into relationship with you, providing all we need for abundant life. Yet we turned away, violating our relationship with you and acting with violence toward one another and all creation. Yet you did not reject us, but continued to reach out and restore us. Over and over again, through the prophets, you have made covenant to be our God, calling us to be your faithful people. Blessed is Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. You sent him into the world, calling us to repent and inviting us to be at home with you. In Jesus, you took on human flesh. Among us, he made his home and lived with us. Tempted in every way as we are, he did not sin. He turned away from violence, teaching the way of peace. Showing the depth of your love, he offered us the cup of the new covenant, sealed in his blood. He opened wide his arms for us on the cross, put an end to death by dying for us, and revealed the resurrection by rising to new life. So he fulfilled your will and won for you a holy people. We give thanks that the Lord Jesus on the night before he died took bread. And after giving thanks to you, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant sealed in my blood, shed for you and for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. In this Lenten season, we rejoice that we share in his baptism, in his dying and rising again, and hear your gracious invitation to be at home with you. As your spirit hovered over primal elements at creation, over your son Jesus at his baptism, and among your people at Pentecost, may your spirit now hover over and be among us. Descend on us, we pray, and on these gifts of bread and wine, that the bread we break and the cup we bless may be the communion of the body and blood of Christ. Through Christ, with Christ, and in Christ, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor are yours, almighty God, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as in heaven. Give us We break this bread, we long for your presence. Fill our lives, O Lord, with the light of your presence. 
the gifts of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
As we stand, let us pray. God of mercy and forgiveness, may we who share the sacrament live together in unity and peace. In the name of Jesus Christ, the Lord. Amen. Amen. May God shine upon you. Christ fill you with true wisdom and strength. And the Holy Spirit guide you into all faithfulness now and forever. Amen. So I'm hoping there's some children here. I brought out some instruments to play along with. We'd love to have you come up. Or any adults who wish to be childish, please. Childlike, I think, is the better phrase. Okay, go. <laughs> 